Hello and welcome to another episode of SBCC Vaquero Voices, a podcast highlighting the unique voices that comprise our campus culture and how we're all working together to serve our students and the community at large. As usual, I'm joined by co-host Akil Hill. What's good, y'all? And today we are honored to welcome Jeff Walker to the show. Welcome, Jeff. Coach welcome, Jeff, I should say. Jeff. Or Coach, Coach Walker. Jeff. Yeah. Coach Jeff. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I've been waiting for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, first time caller, long time listener. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. So you are the baseball coach at uh, SBCC, and um, what where the season runs roughly in terms of time frame? Are you are you like raring up right now, or and, where? Are yeah, you well, competitions process? competition. We're a spring sport, so we will start at the end of January. But we have off season training starts the first day of school. So you know, California Community College baseball is a a year round, or college baseball in general is a year round commitment. Yeah, so so folks are it's technically off season, but you're already working, you're already putting in those paces. And we have a I mean, it's a pretty successful program here. We have a lot of players that go on to, you know, bigger and better things. And and sounds like you've been pretty successful through the years. So I mean, what does it take from you and your team? I mean, is it just uh, guys are just all in? I know that, but I mean it's it, it's it's hard to kind of understate or overstate how much they're how hard they're working even now in the quote unquote off season as we start school and they've got all the things going on educationally. But they've got to really put in that work, you know, on the side too. So that's just a huge time commitment. Yeah, I mean, playing college athletics is it's a full-time job, you know, for the student athletes. California Community College Baseball has a long history and long tradition of success of moving guys on to four-year level, uh, moving on to pro ball. Um, I mean, everybody from, you know, Tom Seaver played community college baseball, Jackie Robinson played community college baseball. So California Community College Baseball. So there's... A, we have a lot of past history and success around the state. California is a, a baseball state because of the weather and you know population. So it, it's fortunate with that. What it kind of starts with is, I mean, having people committed and you know looking to enhance their opportunities. So which is, you know, I play California Community College baseball, and it's the reason I do what I do to open up avenues and create opportunities for student athletes coming in. Uh, whatever their opportunities is either attending a four-year school or playing at that four-year school, we consider our, our, our program as a as a multiplier and you know enhancing those options with guys moving forward. Does it help having a team like the Foresters in town or is that kind of negligible in terms of effect? Well, I, the way we kind of look at it is, you know, the success of UCSB, the success of the Foresters, and the success of Westmont does, you know, help attract players to our school. Santa Barbara, you know, when we look at players, there's always some sort of association with guys that either they knew someone that went to our school, they knew something. That's one of the questions I ask when the recruiting process starts. So there's usually some association with something. So having a team that is successful, like the Foresters, UCSB is successful, Westmont has been successful, especially the last couple of years. I think all those things do help uh, draw people to our campus Kind of the approach that we use, we recruit locally, but we attract nationally. So, you know, the success of our program, the success of those other programs certainly help put Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara City College on the map. We've even gotten some stuff with somebody who was driving north on 101 and they saw, I saw a sign at the SBC City College. So I looked you up, looked you up and gave us a call. So even the freeway signage can help draw some kids, uh, some interest to our school. Oh, yeah. I, I work in marketing communications and pictures of the campus are definitely a huge selling point. I mean, even even if you're like the football stadium being right by the beach, 
I can see they you know they announced that deal with the with the soccer club coming next year and everything. So you can, it's just a beautiful location and a, and a great place to go to school. So in terms of you having the players for for two years, do you have priorities or just you just depends on the player or in terms of like or you know you don't get them as long as some other places. What do you hope to impart on them or what do you hope to get get you know accomplished while they're at City College? Well, it, it's one of those things with, uh, you know, just when you see them just starting to get it and figure things out, it's time for them to move on. So two years is kind of a, a, a short span as far as developing them as a player, developing them as a person. But I mean, the things and the habits on and off the field that they develop here, those are the same things that they're going to take with them when they do transfer to four-year schools. So a community college athlete, when they play at a higher level division one school, a power five school, those coaches are looking for those guys to come in and, and play. But more importantly, they're looking for those players to come in and lead because they are, say, on the older side, they're juniors rather than a freshman, you know, right from high school. So we try to, that's one of the things that we try to instill in our program is, you know, uh, developing leaders. And so they can take those things with them when they do transfer. Because again, they're, if they're going to have to solely rely on their athletic ability or their skill, and they go to the, some of the schools, it's those coaches are recruiting them from our program because we've had success, but they also know what they're getting with their product. And I think that's one of the things that they value the most with that. You know, culture of our program is our guys, you know, they generally have a good time. Repeat business is a big, strong thing. Um, or we have former players that go on to four-year schools and maybe some of those kids aren't having the best experience. They'll draw them back to our school. And we just had one recently from a former player that Akil knows pretty well who played with uh, Gardino, Ryan Gardino. And, you know, he contacted us and said Ryan had good things to say about our school. So he's looking to to transfer in uh, hopefully next week. I mean, we started school. I said, hey, you got to get going a little bit, guy. But th- those are some, some certainly positives that we have of current that repeat business and student success that, are, that we do have on off the field. I feel that, you know, one of the things I do is athletic eligibility for the college. And so I, I get a, you know, I get to see how it all kind of plays out. And what I think I really recently kind of come to the conclusion is that the community is small. I feel like the baseball community is small. And, and so while you think mm-hmm. of Santa Barbara, maybe, you know, in terms of population, not that big of a city or a town, but I really feel like everyone, especially in baseball, are really interwoven uh, in a lot of ways. And and it's a small community. It's not as big as we think it, it actually is. I got a tracer for Ryan Gardino on my desk right now um, that I sent out to University of Alabama. So, and that's a, girl tried. that's a shout out to... <laughs> And it's a shout out to Jeff, too, because I know he runs an amazing program. I see a lot of tracers from kids that were once in the program that have, you know, moved on to four year D1 schools and a lot of schools, just a lot of schools in general, not only D1. I think sometimes we get caught up and you have to go D1. But there's a lot of places and a lot of tracers that I get constantly for baseball guys moving on to four year schools. So that's a shout out to you, Jeff, and the program. I'm a big fan of what you do. You know, you, you touched upon something too. I think this is important. Is it's not just you know with the four-year schools or the Division One schools. It's other schools that they get an opportunity to play or maybe possibly pay for college, which is an important thing as well. But I mean, we have a lot of guys too. I mean, we had two off of last year's team that got into UCLA that they didn't get into UCLA out of high school. So 
you know, coming to our, our campus and, and being a part of our, our program and our structure, you know, allowed them. And that's what we're about, like decisions. So I could play at this school and maybe the degree is not the best and I can go to this school. Maybe it's a little bit better. Those are all good things. And those are all good choices. And even the guys that go off and play at cool schools that play football on Saturdays and our BCS schools, they always say of how great of an experience they had at our school and, and our program. And that's that's the really the really cool thing. The, and then how tight the relationships are with those players. The 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 JC bond, I mean, it's a real thing with those guys too. And that's one of the things that people forget, you know, it, it mirrors the other side too. When you go to schools for a degree and you want to get a job somewhere, like at, in the moment you think, oh, the school really matters, the degree really matters. But in the grand scheme of things, it's just the experience of going to school. Like if you're playing community college baseball, you're playing you know, four-year ball, a D1, D2, D3, you're playing like college athletics. I mean, there's a level of excellence there that you had to get to. And it's, it's just amazing. No matter what, just like when you get your degree, it doesn't matter what school you got it from. You finish that degree. I mean, you, you need that. That's prerequisite to get a job at a lot of places. I mean, that just, just being able to, to make the cut and, and just, just hack it in a full blown. That's a, you know, like it's not professional sports, but it's right knocking on the doorstep in a, in a like semi-professional locker room, being able to, to, to come together with a bunch of folks and, and make something happen and compete at, at the highest level. I mean, that, that goes, you know, that goes a long way. And especially because for a baseball player, especially the path to professional employment, like it goes through the minor leagues and the minor leagues is not always, you know, it's not always the rose tinted glasses of college athletics where they'll probably be looking back on their college experience. Like it doesn't matter what school that was, that was way better than, you know, eating like hoagies out of a gas station convenience store. Well, I'm, on my on the bus going to the next stop on the in, in single A or something. So yeah, it's it's a definite accomplishment no matter what. And and the program sounds sounds great. So good job, Jeff. Coach Jeff. Well, appreciate it. So hey, do you keep a running tab of like how many players you transferred on or how many players that you have been drafted professionally? I mean, I would think that you would baseball. We, you're, you're yeah, we have on our, our website that we we try to update as far as guys transferring on, and the majority of them are guys that transfer on to play at a four year level. And actually, in the process of kind of trying to change or update some of that website stuff too, because I don't think that's you got kids that transfer on to a four year school or degrees a degree. I also, I mean, my own personally thing is you know guys that graduate from those schools. I mean, I use it. Dirty secret, I use it in recruiting. It's like I have Pat Caulfield graduated from UCLA and like he's got his degree and he sends it to me. And I, I show the parents like, hey, listen, he's got a degree from UCLA. He doesn't have a stamp or an asterisk because he went to junior college. So we, we use that. Yeah. It's overall, I mean, I'm fortunate to the path to get here. Coach some, I think it's, I don't know, 16 or 18 guys. I've been fortunate enough to to the, the big league level and play, which is pretty Pretty cool to see. Probably the most noteworthy player I coached in the summer was Paul Goldschmidt. So, uh, wow. Little, yeah, well, little, little, little known back then. There's no chance he'd listen to this, but uh, we actually, he was, he's a gold glover in the big leagues and he was actually really, I mean, he could always hit, but wasn't the greatest defender. And we actually uh, had defensive replacements for him uh, at the end of the game. So, shows you if you work on your craft, how you can kind of turn those negatives into a positive. And the guy's a not just an all-star, but a gold glove winner in the big leagues. And he, who knows? He may listen to the podcast, Jeff. Don't you never know. You never don't know. sell so don't sell a short, dude. Well, I just don't want to get a text <laughs> message him, That's all. <laughs> well, one guy that is a big advocate of our school and resource that we use is a guy that pitched for us in 13 and 14, Tyler Gilbert. 
from Santa Cruz area, came down, played for us, uh, transferred to USC, and then got drafted and signed out of, out of USC. So he's uh, pitches in the, the Arizona Diamondbacks. He threw a no-hitter last uh, summer in his first big league start. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I remember watching that on ESPN. I saw that. I was like, wait a minute. He went to City College. I see the tracer out on this guy. <laughs> you see the name, the name. It was all to. And then I think you sent me a text, and you were like, you had sent the article, and I was like, I, I knew him by his name just from sending the the tracer to USC. That's, yeah, that was pretty awesome. That's, that's pretty cool. So I guess in terms of for kids up and coming before they get to City College or, or playing high school ball, or just even or even before that, is there anything that you can in terms of tips to prepare them for the college athletic experience? I mean, because they're you know they're always drilling fundamentals, or doing this and that. Are there any like variables or intangibles that you can just kind of just pass on? Just any advice you could pass on to folks who are getting ready uh, to make that transition? Well, I, I think the you know the being able to it's easy to say put the work in or or embrace the grind, embrace the process of it. But I, I look at kids that, you know, don't have as much success, do get to college or, or people that want things really quick and aren't necessarily willing to put in the work. I think, too, is playing college athletics is a big thing. It's not for everybody. And our school's not for everybody and our program's not for everybody. So one of the questions that I ask incoming kids or possible recruits is, why do you want to play college baseball? It's, you know, what do you want to do afterwards? And I think kids have to understand the community college, especially maybe community college baseball or California community college, maybe we get sold a little bit short and they don't realize how, how competitive it actually is. A, a kid, I guess maybe one of the things is don't take it lightly. A story, I had a kid that um, he actually went to the same high school I did and he was an outfielder, same position I played and I recruited him. And first week he was taking ground balls at third base. And I was kind of like, yeah, you're an outfielder. Like, you know, what are you doing at third base? He goes, well, that was high school. My high school is really good, but you know, this is just junior college. I can play third base. He lasted four days, and then he was like, "This is too. You're too good. I, I gotta go someplace else." So, it was taking things, uh, I think, a little bit lighter than they are, and understand that this is it's a it's a big time commitment and committing to not just the fall. So that's what we ask our guys right now: commit to the fall. Like, don't worry about where guys are not going or who's not calling or or those things. Um, you got to get through, especially freshmen fall semester of their freshman year. And we kind of benefit being a spring sport. I think there's a lot of things that we can do to put in place to help them transition into college, especially if they're from out of the area where, you know, mom and dad aren't waking them up. They, they got college classes, you know, everybody you know, at the beginning of college class, they don't think that they're, they let those things pile up. Time management skills. Those are all things that we're trying to develop as they get, you know, go through and, and come here. So, I mean, those are adulting, you know, you're an adult, like you're 18 to 21 years old of learning some of those skills to, to make you successful when you leave here. And that's the things that you get with the athletics. I think Akil said is maybe, you know, some people have lost sight of the importance of that. So that's why I was early to this Zoom podcast is like, I'm still afraid my coach is going to run me because I was going to be late. You know, I haven't played in a long time. So some of those 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 things that you do get from that yeah no one thing that i i think is really understated but such a huge thing and and why i think that our, our sports programs are so good in that sense is that you you're automatically if you're an athlete you're coming into a built-in community 
And so, whereas the, the traditional student that's not involved in athletics, you know, they come to an institution and they're kind of like worried about trying to find people, similar uh, friends. And if you, if you're an athlete, that's already built in for you. You're already around a bunch of athletes that have working on their craft just as much as you. And it's a built-in support system. Um, and, and that's one of the, the blessings of being a student athlete uh, at Santa Barbara City College as well as other institutions. And it, yeah. it's a great story. That's a great story you told, Jeff, because it really highlights the fact that, I mean, you can peak early and you, can, and you can't take success for granted because, I mean, at peak athleticism is doing your best always and really pushing yourself to be better than your best at all times, seeing what else you can squeeze out, looking for more efficiencies, you know, and the reason you have teammates and, and building that camaraderie is to look at what we're seeing, how they work and, and getting tips from them and, and, and really always trying to be better every day. So when someone comes in thinking, oh, I'll just, I'll just take grand balls a third and I'm an outfielder. No, you have to work to be the best outfielder you can be. I mean, you haven't made it. You haven't made it anywhere. You're not on the show. You're not doing this. So what is this? Like, I'm good. Like I can just kind of coast on my laurels. Like, your laurels aren't, aren't long enough to be really kind of like acting like you've, you've made it to anything in this game. And that's, that's kind of a, it's a good litmus test. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's something that it's a good point that you brought up. Another point you mentioned is, is that fall semester. I mean, the jump up in terms of not just athletically, you know, high school to college athletics, but academically jumping up from taking classes in high school, where maybe you were taking like basket weaving for your sixth period, you, you know, you, you went home after lunch to your first fall semester at, at city college you're going to be working. You might have to be going office hours. You might have to be asking for extra help, tutoring sessions. I mean, that's a lot of time where, yeah, you have to be really diligent and disciplined to kind of maintain both that academic excellence, excellence as well as keeping up with the, the physical aspects of athletic competition that you need to maintain. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's you mentioned it, it's a grind and, and, and you got to be willing to put in that, you know, put in that work and, and, and grind it out. I mean, me personally, I am absolutely not able to do that. I, I've, terrible time management skills and i you're talking about making people run i haven't run since yeah I, I can't think about the last time i went for an actual run run that wasn't involved in playing a game so yeah i could never do it but i, I applaud all the athletes that do it and i applaud you for for helping helping be a, a guide along the path to to coach so well as it kind of there's a couple things that we say with has to do with the, the commitment is you say if you if you do things right if you work hard and do things right the game will reward you but the the contract you sign with that is you don't get to pick when that game rewards you and you don't get to pick for how long. And so that's kind of the thing is if they're all in, it might be one year, it might be two years, it might be a game, it might be a week, but it will reward you at some point, but you don't get to pick for how long. And I think a lot of times you know, kids will come in and they're afraid to you know jump in They just want to put their toe in front of there and kind of go, the other two things is I, I say it's kind of a, a negative thing, but it's just a reality. And some of them, it kind of gets them and then they kind of regroup from it is I, I'd say that their baseball career is ending. It's not just starting. Say, hey, this, you know, you guys don't maybe be fortunate enough to play for four years of college if you're a freshman, maybe kick it around a year or two professionally. Maybe some guys will make it to the big leagues, but they've been playing baseball since they were six years old. You know, they're 18 and 21. Their career is ending. So this is a path to figure out where to go, where to graduate from, develop those skills and kind of move on. And with that saying is what Keel said is the support system that they do have of being on a team, you know, the resources that we do have in our institution are phenomenal. I've heard other people speak on here. It's almost like you have to try and fail the resources that we have for students and student athletes. We have kids that will, sometimes they'll just quit. 
say, you know, I, I usually kind of quit before they fail. Maybe things get too too hard or they don't really see that they're going to start. So why am I going to put in all this time and effort? And the thing they always say is that I need to focus on school. That's what they always say. And so, I mean, it's been maybe less than half a dozen in 12 years that have quit like during the season or, you know, right before the season. And I keep a running toll and their GPAs when they're on the team were much higher than when they're off the team. And so that's the thing I always go back is that's a support system that they have with that. And the other thing is in, we haven't, and Akil knows this, we almost had, we, we had almost one, but we haven't had anybody ineligible academically, which is an awesome thing to do with the resources that we have with our academic advisors and Joanne and Michael. And, and that's a, that's a pretty cool thing as well. That's definitely something to hang your hat on. Cause again, even as a student without any athletic responsibilities, I was not able to keep my GPA above academic, you know, like academic <laughs> probation levels for a, quite a few quarters. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a great accomplishment. Definitely something to hang your hat on as well as all the transfers, because I mean, yeah, championships are great too, but the number of people and, you know, human lives that you've changed or made better. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's why we do it here at city college. Yeah. We'll be looking forward to the season when it gets started in the spring. But until then, we're going to segue to uh, what brought you to SPCC. So, Coach, if you want to kind of run through your path here, I know you mentioned before the show that you, you were from the Bay Area, but uh, what brought you south, south down to these parts? Sounds like a uh, an interview question or the question <laughs> to answer. Yeah. Like I said, I was a community college athlete, played two years at community college, transferred, played at Loyola Marymount, which small division one school. Great experience there, great experience at community college, which is why I do what I do. After gra- graduating, a chance to play, continue playing independent ball, could have signed for maybe some plane ticket or, or peanuts. But I, I, I kind of was at that point, I, I knew I wanted to coach baseball. I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do with baseball. So at 23, I started coaching high school in the back in the Bay Area at Saratoga High School. And then they were kind of like, hey, why don't you substitute teach? So I started substitute teaching. I was a JV coach. And then they're like, hey, we have a classified job on campus. And then I did that. And the next year, the varsity coach left. Said, hey, why don't you be the varsity coach? And the next year, they're like, hey, why don't you be an athletic director? Oh, we also have a PE classes open. Why don't you go get your credential? So five years later, I'm an athletic director. I'm a varsity baseball coach. I'm doing a lot. And those were great experiences. And those great, great people I work with. And I was kind of like, you know, I think I want to coach college baseball or community college baseball. I switched schools and started teaching at a different school in the East Bay and started coaching at a community college as an assistant. So two years of that, also found out I, I had one master's in education that I got a part of with my credential and then found out that I need to get another master's in kinesis or exercise science to be eligible for a full-time faculty position when a job came open. So I went through, got that, Interviewed for some some jobs and community college jobs. If they're full time. No one ever leaves, so those jobs don't open too often. So you kind of look at the part time route. Applied, interviewed for some spots. I kind of looked at my resume. What was missing off my resume that maybe some other people had or experiences that they had, and that was Division One experience, four year experience. In the summer of years, kind of go through nine, ten, eleven. So I think the summer of two thousand eight coaching change at my alma mater, Loyola Marymount, brand new head coach. I asked to be on his staff. He retained the other two assistants. Fortunately, I was the number three assistant. 
which uh, Division One assistant sounds pretty cool, uh, except the pay is zero dollars. So I packed up Yikes. all my yeah, I packed up all my stuff and put it in a storage unit. I moved out of my apartment, slept on a buddy's couch, took the oath of poverty to better myself. And it was a great experience. It was a great experience coaching high level Division One players, getting that experience on my resume. So I did that for parts of or three seasons down there while everything with the goal of hopefully getting a community college job. Again, not a whole lot of jobs open up in the community college. And I'd say maybe on average two a year in the state of, I think there's 88. Because again, when, when guys get these jobs, they don't leave for, for good reason. They're great jobs. They're fantastic jobs. I tell everybody I have the best job in college baseball. And then um, I was fortunate there was an opening at, at Santa Barbara. There was a longtime head coach here. I should say a long time. I guess I'm a longtime head coach now, year 12. A guy was here for 10 years, Teddy Worker. He left for Cal Poly. And then there was a guy in between for one year. And then the job opened up. And here I am. So I wasn't completely, I mean, my brother went to UCSB, so I was familiar with Santa Barbara. I've been to Santa Barbara. And again, I, I couldn't, I always talk about all the, the places that I didn't get junior college jobs were not the most desirable place to live. So again, something you tell your student athletes is things do happen for a reason. So uh, again, don't get to pick when the game rewards you, but it will reward you at some point. That's a great story because I mean, in terms of that that turning point, when you were a number three assistant, you knew it was good experience, you knew it would pay dividends, but you were making zero money, you know, zero, and you you talk about embracing the grind and, and working, you did what you had to do to make that situation work for you. You you, you couch surfed or whatever you had to do to survive on on zero dollars for X amount of years, and, and, and you wouldn't be here today if not for that experience, but how many folks would look at that situation and say, this is unreasonable. This is unfair. Like this is not, this shouldn't, you know, like I'm out, I can't do this. Like I, I need to be making money, but I mean, the, the sacrifices you had to make to make that work and, 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 you know, it worked out, but Holy cow. Like if I had that choice, I would have made the wrong decision because you made the right decision in terms of where it led you on to daylight. And, and you had to keep making right decisions after that, of course, but Holy cow, that that's quite a, a, a crisis of confidence right there in terms of what are you going to do? How are you going to get it done? And you just did it. You moved out. You, I mean, that's, that's hustle right there. That's that's amazing. Well, it's kind of the same thing with kids that choose to go to community college versus if they have a four-year opportunity is they're betting on themselves. And that was kind of what was told to me out of high school. Where I had a couple four-year opportunities. I think mean, goal was to play Division One level baseball. And someone said, hey, well, those other places will still be there after two years. And you might as well see how kind of high you could go. And I think that was the way that I looked at it too. Whereas, you know, what I was doing, like I can always go back and teach high school PE someplace, you know, I might not get the opportunity to, to coach a division one school or let that go forward to what my dream was to, to teach and coach at a community college. And it's just amazing that, you know, the other part of the story too, is I actually got turned down for the job once. So I, they brought me back a year after and I was, I'm like, they're asking me the same questions they asked me before. And I'm like, well, you didn't like me the first time. Like, so it's just, again, it's just one of those, one of those things that, Took, it's easy to say now when you go through it of being patient and working hard and you know good things will happen um, and that's trying to message that you try to convey with people that you're around certainly the the student athletes that you are and I, I tell my story to my players I, I go through the list of places the the nose that I got actually an ironic one is my my high school my alma mater I applied for a job there and didn't even make the second round of interviews and at, at the time, I was a high school head coach, and I, we all have those 
Dear John letters or the rejection letters, but I, I have it laminated and it sits in my office and I see the athletic director that said no, uh, I don't know how many years ago now, 18, 19, 20 years. And I was, I don't know if it's to say thank you or that's kind of a thing, but I, I do have that to remind myself or be thankful for the opportunities I didn't get. Yeah. Yeah. That's a brilliant point because, you know, I was, you know, I think sometimes like what you're saying with, you know, a lot of young athletes coming in, they're just not patient with the process. And for me, a part of the process too is having setbacks or challenges, right? So, and sometimes people hang, get caught up in those spaces. That's never the end of the story. If you're, if you believe in, you, you know, your abilities, it's never the end of the story, but it, it's a part of the story. And those part, the, that type of, you know, being rejected or not getting what you felt you should have, that actually, I think a lot of growth comes out of that. And sometimes we just don't see it. And so we're actually on the other side, you know what I mean? Like the opportunities that you, you are like, oh, this would be perfect. You don't get it. And then you go back to plan B and then you end up where you want to be. And then you start to think about, you know what? I'm glad I, you know, that wasn't for me at that particular moment in time, you know? And then I also like the piece that you're talking about too, kind of when the students are betting on themselves when they come to the you know community college for two years and how other institutions or four-year institution or other colleges will still be there after two years. You know, I feel like we, we're, we're doing our students, our student athletes a disservice by telling them all the time that there's only one way to get to college. It's like basically trying to tell them, get on the freeway and everyone's getting <laughs> on the freeway. This is the only way. We know that there's other alternate routes and we got to really start kind of changing the narrative about community college and especially for local kids i mean it's it's the best thing for them i've been in santa barbara for a long time and shout out i'm glad you mentioned teddy worker because his family is a local baseball like legend family with ted worker and his all of his sons but just really being like changing the narrative around our community college for a lot of students it's the best thing they can do they like you said come here for two years mature understand how to study learn all the time management i mean it's such a, a great opportunity and we got amazing coaches here at santa barbara city college well the, the other thing too is i think that some of the local kids think the rest of the world looks like this uh, <laughs> i'll yeah. explain to them it doesn't yeah yeah and the weather is like this other places and it, i mean it's like 25 degrees hotter in LA right now. And that's an hour right away. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I get it. When you're 18, you want to be like, I'm trying to spread my wings. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And, and that's where this message really resonates is because I mean, everyone in their life has had to make, you know, go through similar kind of make a process and really kind of go through similar. I mean, not similar, but a lot of folks, you know, especially folks who are struggling. There's a lot of situations that really feel like every decision feels like a life or death moment. There's no going back. And I don't yeah. know what, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. Like I, I had a lot of those decisions growing up and in the time I, you know, at the time I wasn't sure if I made the right or wrong decision and, and us three, we all look at back at those decisions that we had and we, we can see whether we were right or wrong, but those kids in that moment, I mean, we feel that stress. We know how stressful it could be. And we know, I mean, just thinking about uh, you coach, you talked about you had the choice where you could decide to, you know, to play more ball, like go to minor leagues or do, you know, try to play more ball that way but you decided not to do that. And then you went around another way and went to the coaching route. So there's, there's always other paths. There's always decisions to be made. You may not get them all right, but if you keep grinding and keep betting on yourself, like coach did, I mean, it, 
things will kind of work themselves out. It may not be the 100% ideal scenario that you envision for yourself, but 80, 90%, I mean, that's still, you know, as an Asian parent, A minus is still an A. So, you know, 80, 89, 90%, you're still doing right. You know, even a, even a B minus in this world, if you look at the hellscapes in, in some areas of the world, like we doing good for ourselves, you know? So yeah, you're, you're not trying for, to, to optimize your outcome for 100% success. You're just trying to survive and be successful. And yeah, nobody knows the answers to those decisions in the moment, especially because young folks don't listen to old folks like us. We can try to give all the mm-hmm. advice in the world. They want to live it. They want that empirical experiential experience evidence. I'm not going to deprive anyone of that. I wanted the same thing. So yeah, you make your decisions, but you know, if you don't keep having to make those decisions like every three months or every, like, you know, on a regular basis and keep pushing for success, nothing's going to happen no matter what. I mean, it, it, this is not just, there's not like one single decision where you can say, oh, I had regrets or that. It's like, like, 30 or 40 big time life decisions that guide the path, you know, to where we are as old fogies today, you know? So it's one of those things where just, I mean, coach, coach couldn't have summed it up any better. You bet on yourself, you grind, you work and you, and you lean on the people around you to help you work and grind and make better decisions in your life in the moment. Yeah. Cause, cause y'all young folks won't listen to us old folks, but listen <laughs> to the people around you. They listen to the people around you. You trust. And then in six months, when it turns out some of them you can't you can't trust, then re- revise and try again. But yeah, that I mean, definitely. So, Coach, two I got two things. Mm-hmm. One, I, you got to tell the listeners because I I'm listening to you, and there's Bay Area, and then there's also Los Angeles because obviously LMU is in LA. Mm-hmm. So, so I think you, I need to I'm going to expose you and and ask you. So, are you a Giants fan or a Dodger fan? Giants fan. So grew up a Giants fan, grew up going to Candlestick Park. I'm not as, it's one of those weird things, right? Where it's, it's, I think there's people that are more major league baseball. You know, I look at the game in a different, different lens or different perspective because it's what I do professionally. And I consider myself a teacher. So I always say that I, I got into, I, I coached, which allowed me to teach. Now I teach, it allows me to coach. But yeah, I'm 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 a Giants fan, and you know, and so you can say what you want about what they're doing the last couple of years, and can agree or disagree with them. Uh, again, my brother's a Yankees fan too, so you can't be too hard on me with that one, as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. And then and then going to LMU, I mean, most of our, our roster, we had some guys from you know Bay Area, Northern California, but most of our roster was probably a Southern California roster. So had to mm-hmm. had to go to college hearing it from uh, all the guys that were Dodger fans. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I you have to tell the, the listeners about one of my favorite things, I think, at Santa Barbara City College is what Jeff does with the baseball players every Halloween. You got <laughs> to give you got to you got to let the people, the listeners know, know about this and how do you got started? This is an amazing thing. Well, I'm, I am a traditionalist, so we, we do it on Halloween, which this year, I believe, falls on a Monday or Tuesday, which is great. So um, we scrimmage in full costume and. It was something that I brought with me from a previous place that we we had. It's kind of a, a thing that's kind of taken off, not just college, but high schools. Well, I was doing it before the social media explosion, but we our guys come in costumes. Um, they play in costumes. You know, my costumes are usually the, the sweetest. Um, I've been everything from <laughs> Darth Vader to the Cookie Monster. And uh, so do you let them choose the level of costume? Like, can they just put on one of those masks with the little elastic on the back and call it a costume? Are we talking like these guys are sweating in full makeup? They're or like they're big like, old, well, like they'll, they'll, they'll get into it. So it's just also one of the weird things that I explained to them is the guys that are, they're the most into it 
or the teams, I should say, that put the most thought behind it and not just, you know, show up with a, they drag a, some polo shirt on and say, I'm Coach Walker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the ones that are most creative i mean those teams are generally go the farthest and are the closest and are the coolest with all that stuff and one year we had a full-on jamaican bobsled team like they went full-on like they they made the the bobsled they were all like in unison like they you know so that's always a cool one too and they have like theme costumes um, i don't know what the theme is going to be this year and then we pass out candy so this october 31st if you're around brushing park Come watch some baseball and costumes and get some candy. I'm, right. pull, I'm pulling up. Yeah, <laughs> that, you, you, enough said. Costumes, candy, and high-level athletic play, I'm sold. But I can't believe it. I, I sit at my desk and I'm sweating bullets in a Halloween costume. I can't imagine getting up and actually having to, to play, especially if it, it can be hot in California on Halloween. Like, so. Hey, try hitting, try hitting pregame uh, with a full-on Cookie Monster outfit. It's uh, that would really test your your hand-eye coordination. But I, yeah, you got you got to lower you have to lower the jugs for me. But yeah. there's videos and there's uh, pictures of me doing it. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, I actually have a Cookie Monster costume as well, and I think I know which one you're talking about with the full. That thing is full, Sweat full City. That's Sweat City. Yeah, the, the suit thing stopped fitting me a while ago, so I just used the blue polo or something. But yeah, when you when you wear when you wear the suit when you wear the suit and the mask, oh, that's Sweat City right there. That's trouble. We'll have yeah. to we'll have to uh, try to dig for it and then put it in the show notes because it did go viral. Well, I think, <laughs> oh, I'm when, sure they're on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll have to do, dig for that. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of cookies, let's segue into uh, good eating, our food section. Coach, any uh, memorable meals that you've eaten at a restaurant or cooked or grown up? If you want to kick us off, what you got? Well, I mean, before the uh, show, I was talking about probably my, my favorite, one of my favorite places in town. I live in Carp with is Guicho. So that's that's a solid, solid spot. Probably eat there too much. Do you have a go-to there or you get everything? Nah, you know what? Anything from the, there's, there's really nothing bad there, to be honest with you. It's almost like a, my, my other one here in town is Metropolis. So I keep daring them to make something uh, that I won't eat. I don't even, I don't like fish and I will or, order their tuna sandwich and, and they still, it was still good. So. Um, oh man. <laughs> Metropolis then, uh, is good. Yeah. Yeah. Metropolis is good. And then, you know, at home, I'm I like the barbecue. What can I say? So I have, a friend of mine who's a former coach and actually a athletic director at another institution, and we send each other barbecue picks and see who's who's grills a little bit, a little bit better. Are you a purist? Is it Weber or Bust or what do you got? No, no, I'm I guess. I mean, and okay. uh, I understand when you do go with the Weber when the charcoal. There's some positives out of it, like it gets you out of the house a lot longer. <laughs> That's for sure, that, especially you know. A wife and mother-in-law and kid, I can see that. But no, we, we go gas. It's that's fine. Yeah, it's convenient, and there's a lot of ways to get that smoke flavor on a gas grill. Like you're you're not hurting for flavor on the gas grill, and you can't beat the convenience. Only problem is if you don't have enough backup propane tanks. And oh no, I like, always have reserve in the bullpen. Okay, I, I always have someone warming up in the bullpen. Yeah, that's <laughs> a I learned that one a long time ago. Minimum, yeah, two minimum two tank, two. minimum yeah, two minimum. tank rotation. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You don't want to be running, running halfway through a cook trying to get another tank because then something always mess up with that tank. Like it'll be a dud or it won't feel right. Oh yeah, 
Finishing I'm, with the, the microwave is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> I I will I also live in Carp and I will confirm Jeff's story about Glichos. I've seen him multiple on a multiple occasions walking out with a brown paper bag or walking in or scootering his on his way to Glichos around town. So he does speak the truth. Glichos is definitely a good choice. I you can't go wrong with anything anything from there as well. You can't beat their portion sizes, and then just the style of food is just that classic, like really clean but really just delicious. And yeah, for me, I mean, it's uh, the portion sizes are are my number one, but the food is just legit excellent. And across the board, you're right. I've had the yeah the Parmesan. I've had just their pasta, red sauce, pesto. Yeah, it's all good. And then Metropolis. I remember when they used to they used to only do the gyro like on Fridays or one day a week, but now it's an everyday thing. So I definitely go to Metropolis more than I used to as well because yeah, they. They've been they've been holding down for a long time. They were in the, definitely in the funk zone before when it was still funky. So yeah, it's it's they're they're part of they're part of the five man rotation that you got going. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh I now that I think about it, yeah. No, I got I got a, a farm system. I got a full I got a got full five, minor league system. I got a six man rotation. I got minor leagues. Yeah, there's some restaurants like 7-Elevens in the single A. Like I'll go in there and get taquitos every now and then. They got the chicken wings. <laughs> they're not. They're not going to get the call up anytime soon. But yeah, they don't mind. They don't mind like, hopping on the bus for me. So yeah, when I need them, so. they're they're like a replacement player. Right? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the they're the player to be named later. You know, the player to be named later, and a, and a bucket of balls. They're the player to be named later in the trade. So for sure, when I'm struggling, Absolutely. place is closed. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, you want to go next, Akil? You want me to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll go next. All right. Um, I'm going local this time, and and I'm sure anyone that lives in Santa Barbara knows this spot. But I felt like I have I haven't shown it or given it its, its love. But local spot, it's since it's 90 degrees outside, uh, we're in this heat wave. I'm gonna go blenders in the in the grass as my choice uh, for this week. Um, blenders, excellent smoothies. I'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret. Uh, which this is like my own favorite uh, blender. So on the menu, they have a 50. Well, first of all, they have a secret menu, which you can find online if you just type in blenders uh, secret men- menu, uh, a whole bunch of different ones that will pop up that aren't are on the traditional menu in the, in, in the store will come up. They'll, they'll have, they have like a lemon meringue one. They have a whole bunch of different ones, but this is my go-to and I'm hoping they would at some point put this on the menu I love, you know, the 50-50, like the, like the creamsicle, but this is what I do. I usually, I ask them not to put the orange sherbet and ask or substitute the orange sherbet for pineapple sherbet. So basically it tastes like a Dole Whip because you have the pineapple oh. sherbet and you have like the, like the cream from the, you know, the yogurt. So that's my go-to. That's my own personal Akil Hill <laughs> blenders in santa barbara it's like a dole whip you ask to substitute the orange sherbet for pineapple sherbet and have it made that way it basically tastes like a dole whip and so that is my choice for the week i was talking to some of these the college baseball or basketball players i ran into them uh, uh, on campus and i met them and kind of exchanged phone numbers and then one day they hit me up they were like they asked me where to go. And I said, are you guys hungry? They said, no, we're not that hungry. We just want something. So I, I told them to go to Blender's. And sure enough, like 15 minutes later, there's there's sending me photos of Blender's. And they were like, they love it. So I, it's that's a staple in Santa Barbara. You can't get out of Santa Barbara without ever trying a Blender's. So that's my pick for the week. Blender's in the grass. Substitute. 
the orange sherbet for pineapple sherbet and get you a Dole Whip. It'll taste, it tastes just like a Dole Whip. That's I just impressive. learned they had a secret menu. I just pulled it up on my thing and now I'm <laughs> yep. getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's a place in Ventura, an ice cream place on the harbor that will do Dole Whip, you know, order it as a Dole. I maybe can't even call it that because it's a Disneyland thing, but they will do like the actual like <laughs> Dole Whip looks like in the cup. But I, when I get that craving, I'm not trying to drive down to Ventura, so I will definitely go to Blenders. I didn't know. I didn't even know they had pineapple sherbet. I didn't know. I guess I don't know all the various flavors of sherbet that exist in the world because I never never got that deep with it. But, yeah, that's that sounds amazing. I don't know why I wouldn't get pineapple all the time. So. Yep. Try it, man. Tell me what you think. You know I wouldn't lead you astray. Oh, yeah. No. Never. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. So. What's so, your yeah. choice? What do you got for us? Because it's so hot, yeah, on that same similar vein. I mean, yeah, it's it's hot and uh to cool down. I'm gonna couple local picks. Um place just opened. They've been in construction for a while downtown on State Street in Santa Barbara, Mangione's uh, Italian Ice. Italian Ice is Italian because it's based on uh granita or it's a Sicilian kind of shaved ice dessert, but it's ma- mainly an East Coast thing. Started in Jersey or, or New York somewhere somewhere whereabouts there. But it's basically, yeah, just uh like really finely shaved ice, but with fruit flavors or cherry and stuff like that. They replaced a, um, a gelato place that's across the street from where the McDonald's used to be on State Street over by the Granada Theater. But uh, Italian ice, if you haven't had it, it's just really smooth, really flavorful, and just really, really good. And they got a lot, all the fruit flavors. They have um, some cream based, but the ones I get are always the water based, you know, it's like cherry, strawberry, all the classic flavors. So yeah, Mangione's Italian ice. I'll, uh, I'll put that in the show notes. And then along with uh, for gelato, Saying they put gelato, there's another gelato place on State Street called Tondi Gelato. They're an Italian gelato place, and they uh, were highly recommended to me by someone I know, an Italian man that works at uh, Lilac Patisserie. But he used to have uh, he used to run that Sriso Italian place in Isla Vista, and he says that's his go-to gelato place. And when I went and tried it, I was like, it was very good, like very good. And uh, yeah, gets the Italian stamp of approval from him. So yeah, Tondi Gelato and Mangione's Italian Ice. Nice. Those are my picks. And with that, we've segue to higher learning. So, Coach, you kick us off again. Piece of culture doesn't, you know, movie, book, TV, music, anything you got that has moved you over the years, or uh, yeah, that you're thinking of now. What you got? Uh, that's moved me over the years. Um, there's a lot of things that have moved me over the years. We can we can hit them all, or just a, mostly, uh, mostly one my, that sticks mostly, up. Mostly my car. Um, <laughs> I, you know, coaching profession, teaching profession. I think there's you know a lot of books that. You end up reading, kind of hits a lot of different things. I used to be a much more avid reader before I had a, a child, but oh yeah, <laughs> you don't gotta tell yeah. me twice. <laughs> yeah, there was a point. There was a point in time. I don't know if this has moved me, but it's just a part of the Coach Walker trivia. Was I worked at Blockbuster? For people that even remember what Blockbuster. So there was a time I literally saw I think every single movie ever made. Had my Blockbuster employee picks. So maybe that's a trivia question too. Is what was Coach Walker's employee picks back when he worked at Blockbuster and 25 years ago? I think it was Aliens, Top Gun, Shawshank Redemption. God, these are some old movies. And just to confirm, you're saying aliens with the S. Yes, not, not the alien. The second, Got it. Got one, it. The second Confirmed. One. I'm sure there's like a thousand now. I don't even remember how it. How Let's see. There's the four mainline ones and then the. Alien versus Predator, and then the three new ones he did. They did Prometheus, Alien Resurrection, and like, or like Alien. Yeah, so like seven or eight. Just the second one. <laughs> just stay with just the second one. Yeah. 
Don't go past that. Even you know, I think that was, that, I think oh, that was come what, on, they're I all think pretty that, good. I think that was just what everybody. I love that. Don't go locked, past that. <laughs> locked, in, locked into that one, and now they keep they keep keep going forward forward with it. I I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously. Um, so I mean, those are things I I continue to do during this day. I mean, I'm listening to talking to other coaches. I mean. You know, again, coaching and teaching is a profession, so it's a it's a constant change, and it's not just sports specific things. Like I said, a lot of things that we do try to instill with our our players, you get kind of inspiration of other leaders or podcasts about leadership and sport performance, and a, a lot of those things that that kind of go into that as well. Good picks, good picks. Ailey, so you're talking about my blockbuster picks, of course. Yeah, right? so you've seen oh, yeah. all those movies. Oh yeah. There's there's people listening and go, what the heck Blockbuster is? Or... I had I had one of my best friends growing up worked at Blockbuster and like all the perks were great, but then when he was working at the store, like he spent most of the time just like going around touching the videos because they would like lean off of the shelf a little bit. So he'd have to like poke them and like put them back straight and like sorting and, and alphabetizing. <laughs> I was like, man, this must be the best job ever. And 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 he's like, you know, it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, because because then as Blockbuster kept expanding, he'd getting access to everything. He'd, he'd get access to video games. Then he got like the, the, the snack counter kept growing. So, yeah. So My my favorite was they, they made their living off of people that are forgetful, right? And forget to return their videos and pretty elaborate process back in the day, right? They turn the videos in and you, you scan them and then they just sock you with the late fees. And then when people come up, they're always like, oh, hey, I have a late fee of $8.50. And they're always shocked. Like, what? <laughs> like, that yeah. can't be. Kind of like yeah. at a restaurant when you get the bill and you're like, wait, this can't be right. Like, and, yeah. Yeah. And the, one, and the one thing he said is he would never charge in the rewind fees because those would be the biggest fights. Because they'd always be like, I did rewind it. You're crazy. Because and and like it's not a it's not a lot of money it's maybe like fifty cents or a dollar but it was always like the biggest fights where he was like okay after a while I'm just not even bothering with that because like late fees is hard to argue with but the rewind fees is like is like that tipping point where like if they're on edge or, <laughs> if they're on edge or they had a bad day and you're trying to charge them the rewind fee oh they're definitely breaking something or throwing something or, or yeah, scattering some videos there's 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 something some of that that's those are funny things to think about it you, you guys were talking about earlier with the experiences that you have of try to help the the you know your your students and your student athletes out and sometimes they want your advice and they really don't but they really don't want your advice they've already made up their decision or their parents have already made their decision and it comes with you know recruiting kids in I always think back of those blockbuster days when people come up with two movies and they say hey have you seen either one of these and I go yeah I've seen both of them this one's good and that one's not and they go look at it and they go okay and then they put the one that, that I said wasn't any good up there right in front of my face and I'm like <laughs> Okay, why'd you ask my opinion? You're not listen to it. Oh that's yeah, that's funny. That's and then funny. and then if you see them when they come back, then you know I told you, right? I told you. I mean, you gotta trust. You gotta trust that knowledge. Like that's the thing. Nowadays we have internet, so the internet is like this fount of knowledge. Like you, you can be an expert on anything in thirty, a quote unquote expert on anything in thirty minutes. But in the in those in the olden days, you really had to trust the counter people. The people that worked at the video store, the people that worked at the record store, those people had time to listen to the things that you had not listened to yet. And they could tell you whether, I mean, there were some things, I mean, people feel like time is moving really fast now, but even back then time was moving very fast. We, you didn't have time to listen to everything. So you should trust that advice that people give you if something is good or not. You know, like it, it wasn't much different then than it was today in that respect. We're always going to be too busy. You know, capitalism demands 
ever more efficient lifestyle, like just more and more efficiency. So we're always trying to optimize. So yeah, you got to trust that advice. But yeah, like I said earlier, if you're young, you want you got to live. You want to live it. You you want to know for yourself. And with especially with film, the movies that are so bad, they're good. I mean, those ones that you stumble on. I mean, like like Tremors and stuff like that. Which I, Tremors is just a classic to me anyway. But it's one of those movies where like even if you don't respect it on that level. Like you got to respect, yeah, the the auteur's vision, quote unquote, like that. So with film, you get that pass. Where maybe they were going for that, but yeah, with other life decisions, there's no so bad it's good life decision that involves like smoking crack or anything like that. So so don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good advice. So yeah, that's how the picks work. Any any knowledge you can glean on anything, like. That blockbuster just brought up this this well of and that's that's what higher learning is all about. It's the it's the pieces of, of wisdom when you pick out in the margins, you know, like in those jobs, like yeah. Well, I think I think all those things, you know, those experiences you have with positive and negative kind of shape. And again, if you don't don't dwell on the negative stuff or the maybe the setbacks that you have, I mean, you use that information or those those things going forward. So those of us that have worked customer service jobs understand that they're not great jobs because people as you they are sure they rewinded that that video they could not have possibly not rewinded the video so, <laughs> it does give you experience in being with other people just like being on a sports team you have a team that you have to work you know you're not always going to like everybody on your team so we say it's, you're not going to be friends with them all but you have to figure out a way to work together as a common goal and put the team first before your own needs you know and that can be a difficult thing for you know an 18 to 21 year old male in in a time where everything is about them so that that's that's certainly a you know a task with uh, developing a team and that team chemistry and things you know along those lines i do want to share a story i did remember you asked me about the foresters earlier we had a couple of former student athletes playing on their team a couple years ago one was at ucla one was at university of arizona and the foresters they have players high level players from division one schools around the country and you know, they play at our field at Pershing Park or you call a field, I guess. And the players, they're asking, you know, what was it like, you know, because they were junior college players. What was it like playing here? Like kind of like, you know, because they don't know. They're at four-year schools. And they both said, and they're both, again, at high, high-end high institutions or Division One schools and high-level players. They said, man, if I could have stayed for four years, I would have stayed for four years. And they both said that. And the guys were kind of like blown away. Like, wow, that's that good of an experience. Like, yeah, it was. They had, they had an absolute blast. They loved they love their teammates. They love the school, you know, provided them and to get that opportunity going forward. Oh yeah. And I now, they, don't, they don't say that at the time though. They're always, always thinking about where they're not. So that's, I think that's human nature too. So another thing that we try to instill is being present and present mind focus and be where your feet at, not, you know, try to skip steps and be onto the, the place that you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely parts of the experience of living here and, and playing here and, and, and going to school here that you can't even describe, you know, without having lived it, you know, like, so, yeah. So it's one of those things where you just tell people, yeah, if you can do it and then like see for yourself, there's, there's a lot of intangibles there. Just, you know, there's just a lot of parallels there. So my, I, I'll go next because I was going to, I have a pick and I'll get to that pick, but I want to dovetail on top of, of, of coaches uh, pick of customer service. My first customer service job, I had a summer job one time in city hall. But my first customer service job was at Wienerschnitzel. And yes. so just, just to tie into that about higher learning, the things I learned at Wienerschnitzel have stayed with me my entire life. And it's probably the most important job I've ever had. 
guaranteed <laughs> because every single job after that job is not half as hard as wiener schnitzel. Like every job I've ever had, there's like a bad, like a, the worst rundown, terrible day I've ever had in the back of my head. I'm like, at least I'm not at wiener schnitzel. I mean, and not to say that, I mean, it, it's, it's a job. It's not like it wasn't the worst place ever, but it's just, it's just tough. And yeah, it's, it's just customer service and, and making food. And the thing about some fast food restaurants, some some places you have front of house, back of house, like a restaurant, you know, people handle money and people making food. We just say you do both. You handle money and then you have to go make the food. So it's like you take an order, you take their money, you wash your hands, you make the food, you give them the food, you wash your hands. Like it, there's a lot of food hand washing. There's a lot of money taking and food making and it just blends into one. And when when the crunch is on, you, you're relying on the team and everything. And and yeah, when I mean, when times are good, they're OK. But when they're bad, oh, man, it's the worst. But it is essential for who I am as a human being, because in terms of testing the idea of like, cause you know, when I was a kid, I was like, I, I, I'm a survivalist. I'm here to work hard. I'm here to, I'm, I'm a grinder. I'm here to get it done. And Wiener Sitzel was that test. Like, am I really down for this? Cause like two weeks in, I was like, I need to quit. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. This is silly. They're not paying me enough. It's not enough money to do, for me to do what I thought I was going to be doing with this money. But I stuck, I stuck it out. I was there for like two years. It was, it was the job I had throughout most of my, uh, my later high school years. And yeah, yeah, I've carried that with me everywhere. Like, yeah, food do you, service. Do you, do you still, can you, can you still look at a hot dog the same way? 100%. People always ask me, they're like, they're like, do you not eat wieners anymore? I, I love that food. It was, oh, and, and it's, and it's, you know, objectively not great, but I, I, I made that chili. You know, you have the, the, uh, the way they used to make, I'm not sure how they do it now is we had cans of prepared chili and we would take hamburger patties that we had from our burger, burger station, chop them up, throw them in the chili, blend it up. I made that chili hundreds of times. I still eat that chili. I'll eat it with a spoon by itself. I'll slurp it. I don't even care. Like I, I, I'm generally shameless. So that's my disclaimer. Like maybe more discerning folks might not go back anymore. But yeah, I, I get down. The, the Polish sandwich. They used to have a chicken sandwich at Wiener Schnitzel. That was mm, it was amazing. Probably the best chicken sandwich I had before our modern chicken sandwich renaissance within the past few years, where everyone's got a delicious chicken sandwich now. But back then, Wiener Schnitzel was my number one. Mm. Polish was good. Hamburger. But the things I learned while working that job in terms of, you know, even my boss was like, I would hook up people I knew and my boss would have to pull me aside. But like, you know, the margins on fast food, like I make nothing like my profit is like, you know, one to two percent. You may think I'm this rich, you know, getting off high off the hog. And, and, you know, like those kind of lessons about how the world really works when you pull back the curtain. You know, like when I was growing up, I thought anyone that owned a restaurant was rich, filthy rich. Anyone that anyone that had their own business, anyone that did things like that, because, you know, I, I came up with nothing. My mom's a uh, garment factory worker. My dad works at a restaurant six days a week, 10 to 10. So like everything to me, I thought everyone was rich. So just peeling back that little capitalist curtain a little bit and seeing that everybody is struggling. Everybody is like this close to, to just like being totally upside down. The margins are really that thin because of the ever efficient nature of squeezing every last bit out of everybody, you, you know, everybody that you can. I mean, it, I, I, I didn't know that until I was actually in, in the mess and being like, oh, man, it's, it's hard for me. But then seeing it looking around, it's hard for everybody. So that job taught me a lot, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. And like I said, every job I've ever had is not half as hard as that job was. So I'm grateful <laughs> for that lesson as well. <laughs> so, yeah, besides that, I was also going to pick uh, the new album from J.I.D., uh, The Forever Story. The man is a hip-hop MC. He's on a, a truly amazing run. He's got two albums and, and two mixtapes. But in the past three or four years, he's got the Never Story, DiCaprio One, DiCaprio Two, now the Forever Story, all classics. He uh, he flipped 
a most def sample, the Miss Fat Booty that that I know I get. Up. He flipped that sample. I thought that sample was untouchable. You can never do it again. Like you can never do it better than most. And he he did it justice. He did it where like where he did it where I'm not even mad at him for doing it. Where at first I was like, how could you sacrilegious? But no, he he held it down. So I ain't mad at him. He even got most. I mean, uh, uh Yasin Bay. He got Yasin Bay on the record to to spit spit a verse too. So yeah, JID the the Forever Story and uh and Wiener Sitzel, sometimes called Dur Wiener Sitzel by the folks that I remember back when it had the Dur on it. But yeah, those are my picks. I think you're the first person I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm like, I'm literally like, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm like, I'm speechless. I think you're the first person I've ever met that's worked at fast food that will still Go, eat the fast eat the food. food. Oh, yeah. I, like, you're not the first like, person to tell me that. You're not the first person to tell me that. <laughs> you're the first person I think I've ever heard that be like, oh, yeah, I would eat it now. Yeah, so and I and I go to other weaknesses and be like, oh yeah, I worked at store one forty four. Yeah, you guys are doing pretty good. <laughs> I'm 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 that shameless. Yeah, so that's uh. funny. So I'll throw I'll go real quick. Um, so my pick I've been really into uh, uh, and I think I've I've mentioned this before uh, or selected this before, but Robert Glasper, uh, uh, Black Radio Three. I've been kind of listening to that a lot. Just amazing. Um um album just with a, a whole multitude of different uh, various artists but that album speaks to me um the very first piece is a spoken word um that's worth listening uh just a great album uh anything that, that he touches is gold and so that's my choice black album three robert glasper he's done one and two this is the, the latest i think this came out a few months ago so it's been out for a while but i really just recently started giving it some like really started listening to listening to it and it's really great so on your, if you're if you're on the road this weekend you know what i mean just popping in listen to it it's, it's some good easy listening music and the guest list on there you got you got d smoke on there yeah you got d smoke you got a whole bunch of people on there man that's you know you got your, uh, your buzz on there ladisi's on there yeah, comments on, on there so a whole a whole multitude it's just all the black uh radio uh, albums that or the, he uses multiple uh, artists, so that's that's what I got. And I'll save everyone the story about my first job, my first customer <laughs> service job. What was it? At least was it Nordstrom or something else? No, it wasn't Nordstrom. It was uh, Vons when I was in high school. Had to wear uh... the had to wear the bow tie and everything in Montecito. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm sure there were lessons learned, and and was were they union then too? Was that your first union gig too? It was a union gig and a schedule. there it is. So, uh, and the schedule would come out military time. So that was the first lesson that I had to learn. Like they wouldn't post the, post the regular hours, your schedule, would, they would give you a schedule in, in military time. So I was like, okay, I guess it's different, but yeah, man, you, it was did great. Did you show up to work at the wrong time the first time? <laughs> no, I, I just remember all you had to do was subtract two. So, uh, <laughs> that was the first lesson. I think that was the first job. Funny stories, <laughs> man. Funny stories about that, but also say that for an, another show <laughs> yes so uh thank you coach um for your time on the show it was an honor to have you and uh we wish you you know success for the for the upcoming season when it comes in the spring any final words from you at shout outs plugs anything like that well i don't have any books to sell so uh <laughs> so i'll just finish by not saying yet. not was... yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> not yet but halloween that's a plug. halloween pershing park so Inviting anybody listening, come get some candy and see what my costume is going to be this year. 
we'll definitely do that and definitely encourage everyone to come out and check a game out. I mean, Vaqueros baseball, very successful, but even if they weren't, I mean, got to rep the set, support your team, support your school, and they always put on a show. So come out and check out a game. Thank you again, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Uh, thank you, Keel, as always. Until Likewise, next time, y'all. This was Vaqueros Voices. Take care, y'all. Peace.